Welcome to the Checkable Health Podcast, where we're helping everyday moms rethink how their healthcare begins at home. This podcast is for moms of school-aged children who were born in the 1900s and would buy an at-home strep test to check their child's sore throat symptoms from home. Hello, I'm your host, Patty Post, CEO of Checkable Health. I'm a mother to two teenage boys and one tween daughter and married for 20 years to my husband, Andrew. I really believe that we should be empowered to make healthcare decisions from the comforts of home. I created this podcast to equip you as a mother to make better healthcare decisions for yourself and your family. If you are new to this episode, we interview physicians, clinicians, leaders in a space to talk about health. So you can be in the knowledge and in the know-how of how to recognize signs, symptoms, or get new ideas on how to make your health better. If you like this episode, I'd ask you to please give us five stars, subscribe. We really appreciate that. This is episode number 28, and I am interviewing the First Lady of North Dakota, Katherine Burgum. The episode title is Addiction is a Chronic Disease, It's Not a Personality Flaw. Katherine Burgum has made it her platform to talk about addiction and to normalize it. We can't normalize addiction if we just don't start talking about it on a regular basis with ourselves, with our family, within our communities. And in the U.S., there are 23 million Americans that are in addiction, whether that is alcohol, substance abuse. Addiction often makes us feel shameful. It makes us feel less than because we carry a really heavy burden. Addiction is something that is considered a flaw. And a lot of times we think that because we have labels associated with it. The First Lady of North Dakota is looking to strip those labels away and normalize addiction. She has a platform called Recovery Reinvented. Catherine has been in recovery for over 20 years. In this episode, she shares with us her recovery experience and how it is normalized in her life and how she deals with her recovery on a day-to-day basis, but really how it has changed her life. I share my story of recovery. I gave up alcohol October 25th of 2021. I am celebrating my one year without alcohol, and I have to say my life has completely changed for the better. If you are interested in how you can remove alcohol from your life, please don't hesitate to message me on any social platform, Patty Post CEO, and direct message me. I will get back to you, and I would love to share with you my story. You can also look at all of my channels. I talk a lot about mocktails and how I incorporate them in my life. What an inspiration you are in general for all, you know, the checkable and and now you've got almost a year, I think, of recovery. Is that right? Or Yes. So October 25th, I decided to just, I don't know. I don't know what it was. I mean, I'm a woman of faith, so I feel like just Lord took it away from me and I just really have no desire. And boy, did it change my life. Like I didn't realize that I was using sort of an escape mentality with wine and just sort of that socializing with alcohol that 
changed my personality and made me less productive and less clear-minded. So the last year has been just a game changer for me. I feel so much better. Well, that's great. You know, I, I can relate taking that, you know, alcohol out of my life. I was wine, you know, except it wasn't just, you know, a wine with happy hour. It was once I had one glass, it was, you know, game on. So <laughs> yes, well, that's was me too. But I didn't, I felt like I was in control though. But looking back, I really wasn't because when you are, you know, loose lipped or you're feeling you're not in control. I mean, as much as we want to rationalize and say that we are, the reality is that if you wouldn't say things when you're sober, then you're not in control, right? The things that you say yeah. when you're when you're drinking. But my mother is 20 years in recovery. And then my brother is 23 years in recovery. And they definitely are inspirations to me. And, and my dad quit drinking when I was in fourth grade. So he kind of had it like I did, just let go of it. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's, so I come from that and I never identified it as a problem. But it was actually when I saw you at Prairie Capital Summit, it was the 13th of March, 2020. And you were on stage and you shared your story and you shared Recovery Reinvented. And it really hit me. Like I didn't realize how impacted I was by it until. I've seen you again. And then when I'm, I'm sharing my, I think back to that of like, oh gosh, like she can do it. You know, she's so strong and she's able to live life to its fullest and not looking at a void of a substance as like, oh, my life is so boring now. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's really powerful that because I, you know, I'm out there talking and I'm like, yeah, I don't know, you know, anything's really happening or whatever, but but, you know, when you said, you know, without life being boring, I mean, literally, I did not do anything without alcohol. And it is so great. I mean, my life has, like, the world just opens up, you know? And yes. and there's so much more. Like, boring is not even an option. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Because you, you know, because would you ever have done this podcast? You know, would you have ever, you know, so many right. things, right? Doors open. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like you have, it's almost like you take the cap off of your goals. Like I feel like it was self-limiting almost beliefs because I don't know about you, but I felt like I sort of had this hyper anxiety and I, I didn't know that it was hyper anxiety, but mm -hmm. it was also something sort of in the back of my head that I would wake up in the morning and be like, gosh, I wish I wouldn't have had that third glass of wine because I have a headache and I don't have as much energy. And I need to be there for my employees and my family and my investors. And then I would have this thing sort of hanging all the time. And then it was like maybe a month in that I really saw like that feeling was gone and I was so much lighter. Wow. Yeah. Yep. I totally can relate, you know, because for me, I was definitely drinking because of depression and, mm -hmm. you know, and anxiety and my depression got so much worse. I mean, I'm, I don't know if I mentioned during that talk that, you know, I was pretty much suicidal 
when I drank at the end, every time I drank at the end, I was suicidal. Really? So I, yeah, I mean, I'm just so grateful that, you know, because that's the the permanent solution to a temporary problem, you know, Mm -hmm. that people really struggle with. And I know so many people that, you know, that I knew for a long time in recovery that, you know, relapse and have depression and then that's where they go. And so I'm just, I was not really a spiritual person until I found you know, recovery. And for me, that is a huge part of my life now too, because I can lay in bed at night or any time of the day and just go, Hey, I don't know what to do with this thing. So I'm just going to turn it over to you. And then I feel so much lighter. And then I feel such a huge relief. And I didn't really understand that about people who had a lot of faith before, like, really? Like, no, but how do you trust that something else has a better plan or a better idea, you know, like I could not, cause I needed to control everything. Right. Yes. Which of course I couldn't. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's, that's very much a tendency of, of alcoholism is that control. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it, what's crazy about it is that we want control, but yet we look to alcohol so we can escape. Right. Like it's yeah. just an oxymoron almost, isn't it? Right. Because you lose all control. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Something that when I was researching Recovery Reinvented that really struck me was that you really make it a point to say that addiction is a chronic disease and we should be able to talk about it and normalize it. And at Checkable, we had something just last month called Mocktails and Moms. And so I do mocktails every Monday and we had about 40 women come and we had made three different types of mocktails and uh, it was a fantastic event. And I did a post before that just talking about how I removed alcohol from my life and how it changed me and that it wasn't, I'm not shameful of it. And it wasn't because I had this horrible incident in my life. It Mm -hmm. was And from when I posted that on Instagram, I couldn't believe how many women specifically messaged me and said, thank you so much for sharing that because people are scared to say that they're, you know, might have a problem with a substance. And that I think I'd love to hear what your reaction is of what society puts on us when it comes to addiction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that I guess I live in this world where I feel like people, almost everyone I meet is affected in some way by addiction. Mm-hmm. So I feel like there's a lot of empathy, there's a lot of sympathy, there's a lot of curiosity, there's a lot of courage, you know, just, and even if some people, like, I'll talk when I speak, I'm like, how many of you raise your hand have been affected? You know, and there's always like a couple that are raising their hand. And, and I was talking to someone about this yesterday. And I was, I was thinking, I'm like, either they are in denial about someone in their life, themselves, whatever, or they, you know, they truly aren't. Like I have a, a woman that I work with who took a year's leave of absence to work on my team um, from Microsoft. And she's one of the only people, she's like, nope, nobody in my family. But then mm. as the year went on, like three of her friends, one of her friends really, I helped her get into treatment, whatever. So oh, wow. it wasn't in her family, but you know, it was a lot of people. So I think that, so, so I, I believe there's much more, there's much more of an embracing this idea that the addiction is a disease. 
and not a moral failing or a personality flaw, you right. know? I mean, I feel like there's much more. And in North Dakota, we did a survey, which I think maybe you are aware of, mm-hmm. you know? Because when when we started this six years ago, you know, after the first few months, people were like, I feel like things are changing. I feel like people really do believe this is a disease. And then I, I'm a much more of a data person. My husband's a data. And I'm like, we've got to, you know, we need, need to do the survey. And so, and in, in, it was just so cool to learn that, you know, after a couple of years, a few years of doing this, that we, we have moved the needle, you know, we have 11% reduction of the stigma in our state around the disease. So less, a lot less people are thinking it's a moral, mm-hmm. you know, failing or a choice. So, so we're really lucky, you know, but all of that is accomplished really pretty much through storytelling and just talking about it. We haven't been able to add, you know, double the amount of treatment centers. But the one thing that we are doing, which is really important in our state, is we're doubling down on this this concept of peer support specialists because half of our state is rural. Like 50% of the state, you know, live in very small communities and and we're never going to have the services that we need. I used to say to people that, you know, every small town has a church and a bar yeah. and that, you know, the bar, get, the bar gets a lot of business and the church could use more business, you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then people, so many people want to get back in their own community, you know, and then they have lived experience, you know, and so we have over 700 people in our state now that are peer certified peer support specialists. Oh, wow. It's a state run program. And through that, through those people telling their story and helping a lot of people, they're just boots on the ground, really making a difference, you know, related to eliminating stigma. So, you know, the world I live in is like that. I don't really have, like, there's never been anybody who's like, oh, come on, really? It's not a, you know, because I think people, if they are really ha- struggling or really have pushback or something, it's probably the sun hitting a, a very personal chord in some way, you know? Yeah. Definitely. When you did that survey, what were the questions that you asked people? Well, they, you know, of course we wanted to know who they were and, you know, how old they were and what their nationality, you know, and all that. And then we wanted to, we asked questions like, if a treatment center were opening up on your block, you know, how would you feel about that? You know, and then based on their responses, like, no, not in my backyard, or, you know, that's, it's an important thing to have in a community, you know, So we, and, or, you know, do you know someone, have you yourself struggled, you know? And, and so it was really more of identifying the characteristics of, you know, how people typically look, you know, do you think it's a disease? You know, do you think it's a moral fail? You know, just very specific questions like that. But a lot of it was related to how would you feel about this kind of thing in your neighborhood? Or do you think there's enough, you know, services available in your community? And so, but we also worked with this really great research team for the last one we did um, in Delaware. And that's all they do is look at stigma. And so they're, you know, how they created the survey, we kind of, you know, left it up to them. The first one we were super involved in, we hired a, a polling team that was, that was really more of like a political polling team that does great, you know, they just do great surveys. That's all they do. Okay. So they really understood the um, the tool. but this new the group we worked with a second time really understands addiction and and but they also did you know did a lot of surveys so you know we kind of let them but that's you know that's the way that we learned a lot about it and you know i think it's 
you can do surveys through SurveyMonkey, you know, I mean, yeah. there's a lot of easy ways to do it, but you kind of just have, getting a baseline is really the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Are there any other first ladies such as yourself that are focused on recovery, like you're a platform like this? Yeah, no, not recovery. There's a lot focused on mental health, mm-hmm. you know, certainly children, welfare, you know, uh, human trafficking. So there, there's some connection to usually, you know, alcohol and drug addiction, but not anybody who's really focusing on the disease of addiction. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So recovery reinvented, this was your idea and you burst recovery reinvented. Will you tell us about this platform and, and how it's progressed and, and where you are with it today? Yeah. And actually I, you know, I wish I could take all the credit. No, not really, because, you know, I, I this is not me, but there were two people that were very heavily involved in this idea and concept. And one, one is William Moyers, who's really become a mentor to me. He's with Hazelden Betty Ford, but he's a best-selling author. And, you know, 30 years ago was, you know, addicted to crack, you know, and wow. uh, changed his life and has really spent his whole life, you know, helping people to find recovery. And so, I heard him speak before I became first lady and he was the one that put this idea in my head that you really need to talk about this to normalize the conversation and eliminate the stigma. And then um, when I became first lady, I met this really amazing woman. I'm trying to get emotional because she's just incredible, but her name is Pam Sagnus. She heads up our behavioral health division. She is just so cutting edge and just so on point about how she thinks about addiction She's a person who's not in recovery herself, but she's been in this world for so long, you know, and really social services, just the whole, you know, continuum of health. And, and so she was already doing great work. She also had run, you know, sober living homes and and that sort of thing. So the three of us got together actually, because William's idea was, it was him first that said, you know, maybe you should do a conference. And so I mean, coming up with this idea of even naming it Recovery Reinvented, that, you know, William put that out there. We talked about it. So, you know, initially I was like really like terrified because I'm I'm really more of an introvert. I mean, that was a big part of the reason why I drank too, you know, because it's a lot easier to be somebody you're not. Mm-hmm. Socialize. Socialize. Yeah, all that. So that's kind of how it came about. And then, and the first year, you know, we didn't, I mean, I'd been to many conferences, my husband had done about, you know, so we kind of had this idea, but I knew right away that we wanted it to be different. We didn't want it to be a business conference. You know, I love the TEDx format, the shorter, more opportunities for people to speak, but then we wanted to celebrate a lot too. You know, we wanted to give out awards for people that really were making a difference in their communities. We wanted to give out a, we get, we wanted to have a platform for people to tell their stories because again, the stories are what eliminate the stigma and motivate people to reach out for help. And then we wanted music and we wanted creativity and, you know, that's how it started. And that's kind of the format that we've kept all this time. And I think it's really, you know, we just were looking at it yesterday again, like how many people have, we've got over 1200 people that have signed up. We still have, you know, three weeks and, you know, those are, that's everybody on person and in line. Usually more people sign up the last couple of weeks, but, you know, we could probably be over 3000 people this year. And wow. and the, the other amazing thing that really makes a difference, 
I think is that it is it's free. Yes. It's free. You know, it's incredible online and free, but that's due to the incredible sponsors. I mean, I get emotional talking about them too, because I can't, but you know, these, the hospital organizations, the business yeah. organizations, you know, they all, this is a big part of, you know, because it, you know, of the 20, whatever, 3 million people that are, you know, affected by the disease or struggle with the disease, you know, 80% of them are employed full or part-time. So right. businesses see, see this as a really big, important thing for them to be considering. And then, you know, me and my team have really focused on businesses because when we did those surveys, I was like, okay, but so who are we missing? Because, you know, we can't just preach to the same people that require that already know, you know, and they're already invested in this world. And we thought, I really thought the business world is a world that really either wants to ignore it, doesn't really understand it, doesn't know what to do. And so, so we've worked with the big companies like Amazon and Microsoft, you know, and smaller companies, really great smaller companies in North Dakota that have this, you know, there's a guy now that heads up the office of recovery reinvented his name's Jonathan Holtz. And he actually owns restaurants in North Dakota as well. And he has this very cool thing where the minute somebody signs up, you know, and to be an employee and they hire that person, they tell them during orientation, listen, if you ever have an issue with addiction or struggling you can take the time to deal with that and you will be paid while you're gone. Your job will be available. You know, so they just tell them up front. So they, you know, so they just know that it's not going to be, they don't have to worry about, because a lot of people don't reach out for help or don't go, you Mm -hmm. know, because of the financial side of things. Right. So, of course. So anyway, we just have, you know, on the business side of things, we've really, you know, been targeting that group. So I don't know. I'm, not even sure what your question was originally. No, but I'm like, you make a really great point. And something with business that I think that I found myself in is that it seems like so many business meetings, it's like, oh, let's meet over a drink, or you are at a three day conference or a sales meeting. And so much of it is around alcohol. And it's to me, looking back, so highly unproductive because. We go through this, I mean, the company spends how much money on getting us there and then they get the trainers and we put all of this effort into it. And then at night you go for dinner and then hours of drinking only to wake up the next day completely depleted. And how are you going to fill up your knowledge and be excited to learn when you just are plumb full of toxins of over drinking the night before or, or doing drugs. I think that that is, and it's so socially acceptable. Yes. And from a business standpoint, I mean, we just had ladies over at my house last week and we had such a nice night. We did makeup and we did facials and we had dinner and we went to work the next day at eight o'clock and we all felt great. And we didn't have to have alcohol, but I, I think that a lot of people in business, it's, accepted a hundred percent. Oh yeah. Yep. I'm grateful though, that so many bars and restaurants are now offering mocktails yes. you know, and, mm-hmm. and almost all of them are carrying like non-alcoholic beer or, mm-hmm. you know, that that's really makes a big difference too. that, you know, you have these other choices, but that is a great example of, you know, networking, getting together, being able, you know, the the group of women that got together, but you know, that, Mm. that you can still do that. You know, I mean, it's almost like 
there's so many groups now that do more athletic things together. They have yeah. more options like that versus versus happy hour. You know, that's always happy hour. That was one of the things when I, you know, my husband came home and he was like, I, you know, I think I'm, I'd like to run for governor. And I was mm-hmm. like, no, I was like, <laughs> no, you know, like, I mean, because the first thing was like, what am I going to do in all those situations where there's alcohol? Mm. And then it was like, and I do not, I like, I can chat for a while and then I'm done and I'm yes. out, you know? Yes. Because it, it introverted um, part of me is like, okay. And so we had this really, he is such a huge supporter of mine and, mm-hmm. you know, and he really barely drinks. So that really helps too. Yeah. So I, you know, so to be able to just say, for me to say, you know, I support you to do this hundred percent, but we have to agree on some things. And one is that I can leave whenever I want to, or I can say, I'm, I'm not going to go, you know, and that's really worked out well. And he's fully supported me to do that. And, and then, you know, it's like, being able to actually have conversations like, you know, one of the highlights of being first lady, which was so unexpected to me is that, you know, because I have, because I'm an introvert, I'd always like to talk to people. I've met so many incredible people, especially in North Dakota. You know, like last night I went to this event in a really small town. It was a funeral, you know, prayer service for a really amazing woman in this community. And, and there was a little boy there named Keegan. He was 10 years old and he was going on and on about just a remarkable kid you know like he's a business guy he's telling me then cross country he's you know sold a rabbit for five hundred dollars he bought this you know he's like like the amount of things he's done in this tiny little community you know and his parents were amazing and you know I just I would never have the opportunity to meet people like that and then of course it's all the people I get to meet with and talk about related to recovery you know, so it's really, that's been a real unexpected gift, you know, through this process where I, you know, I wouldn't normally be putting myself out there and do those things. And it's a very stressful role that you have. Actually, I think that people don't, don't understand that when you are married to someone that is in a powerful position and very highly respected that as a couple, you do go out together and there's a lot of pressure on you too. And if you're not that personality type, you're very vulnerable. So I, I commend you for knowing your limitations and your boundaries and, and then seeing the beauty and like Keegan, like seeing that yeah. as an opportunity. Yeah. Just a remarkable kid. It's like, yeah, I kind of want to track him and follow him in his life because I feel like that he's going to be something. He could probably be president someday, you know, like he's amazing. <laughs> Do you or your child have symptoms of strep throat, such as sore throat or fever? Do you want to help an innovative startup validate their at-home strep test? Checkable Medical is currently enrolling children ages five and up and adults for a strep throat study. Go to www.testforstrep.com to see if there's a site near you. Again, that website is www.testforstrep.com. Com. So I actually signed up for Recovery Reinvented with my mom. Yay! And Yay! then we're going to see if my brother and my niece and my sister-in-law and if my dad wants to come. So I just know my mom oh. and I are for sure going. And so I'd love for you to tell us about the day and sure. how have you curated this event? Who's going to be there? Mm. Well, I'm so excited. That's just going to be so great that you all are, you know, or you're going to be have a big group of people and that you're interested in and watching. And so this year we have, like every year, really amazing speakers, 
one of the things we wanted to do is we wanted to always kind of in some way focus on brain science and that this is a brain disease. You know, we wanted to bring the science component into it or for sure the experts like, sure. you know, the, this year we have this amazing guy named Bruce Perry, Dr. Bruce Perry, who's actually originally from North Dakota, Bismarck, North Dakota. Oh, cool! And he's, you know, he's an expert on trauma and a lot related to kids. And he, his last book he wrote with Oprah okay. and it's a super successful book. And it's all about, you know, how trauma affects you. Like sort of like what happened to you? You know, like mm-hmm. what happened to you that made you, you know, the way you are now. And so I'm so excited about having him be a part of the conference. And and then we have Tila Baker, who's a Native American woman who runs the recovery community organization at MHA Nation. That's uh, the three affiliated tribes, Mandan, Tadatsa, and Rikara. And they're a tribe that has really wrapped their arms around everyone in their community they have treatment centers. They have sober living places. Really? There's a woman named Dr. Monica who has become a, a really important person to me. And she's she's an MD that has, you know, has worked in the ER for a lot of her life. And now she's a consul woman there. And anyway, came to the first recovery reinvented. She was one of the first, one of the first people I met when I became first lady at this lunch we had. Really? Yeah. It was like my husband, you know, I was there, it was all the tribes, you know, and she's like, Hey, I, you know, I think what you're going to be doing with governor is great, but I really want to meet your wife. And I really want to talk to, you know, <laughs> so it was like, That's I was so like, cool. Oh no, you know, <laughs> but she's been to United Nations. She's just incredible. But she was the one that first recovery reinvented. We talked a lot about recovery community organizations, which okay. many states have been doing for 30, like Massachusetts for 35 years. Oh. We did not have one in our state. And this is where people can gather, you know, go to meetings, get support, have peer support specialists, recovery coaches, getting people back on their feet, eliminating stigma. So they started it. Tila is the director of that recovery community. She is a woman in recovery, in long-term recovery. She struggled with a, you know, with a heroin addiction. She is a remarkable story and such a force in their community. So she's going to be speaking. And then we have this other woman named Carrie Bates, who is an Olympic gold medalist swimmer. And so she, you know, had this incredible career and she's also a woman. In recovery. Mm. And she's with Hazel and Betty Ford. She has an amazing story to tell. So she's really going to be powerful as well. And then, you know, then all through the day, we have speakers, we have someone that does, it's called the recovery podcast. They're actually going to be doing on stage, talking to people, giving little, you know, sort of little, little or smaller stories. And that's going to be happening live on stage. Cool. You know, and then throughout the day, we give away awards to people who, again, are making a difference in their community with the work they're doing. And we have music, we have special guests that we're not going to announce, you know, until, you know, so there'll be some surprises throughout the day. And so it's, you know, again, it's a powerful, powerful day. And we just invite everyone to come and join us at recoveryreinvented.com on November 3rd. Mm -hmm. It is free, but we do need people to register so we can let you into the 
you know, the meeting and we know how many people are going to be there in person so we can plan for food and lunch and all that. So Mm -hmm. anyway, it's going to be a fantastic day. So we're so excited about everyone who will join us. And and the governor and I host it. That's the other thing, you know, for six years now, initially I was, it was daunting. Oh my gosh, on stage, whatever. (laughs) How are we going to do this? But, you know, we get to sort of ad lib it and have fun. And, and that's the thing that we really want to it's just a really serious topic that's really yeah. detriment, you know, decimated people's lives and impacted so many people. But, you know, the bottom line is, you know, we we're doing it because we want people to know, you know, that we can eliminate the stigma yeah. and that, you know, mostly that there's always hope for recovery, mm-hmm. you know, like for someone like me who relapsed pretty consistently over an eight year period and for some reason never gave up hope. You know, again, that I believe is, you know, something is someone bigger than me in my life who was watching out for me and, you know, kept bringing me back to the table. Like, okay, let's try this again. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. That's grace, right? Yeah. Every day. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. What a beautiful story. You're such an inspiration in the way that you just freely can talk about this my intention of having you on the podcast was to share your story and to have this conversation to let others hear a conversation about addiction and that it's very comfortable and it's actually very freeing and that there are opportunities if you open your eyes to create community with others that have addiction or family members that are going through addiction and that it's actually very loving to have the conversation rather than ignore it. So thank you for creating this event. I'm so excited to attend. Thank you for making it your platform as well and sharing your story. Even if there's just one person that listens to this and is like, gosh, maybe I should, maybe I should change my life and try it. I would say 100% don't look back, go for it, and you would never regret it. Yeah. Yep. I completely agree with you. And, you know, that is one that you hit the nail on the head. And one thing, you know, is like so many people are like, I know this, I don't know what to do to try Mm -hmm. to help this person. I don't know whatever. And, you know, really it's like just no judgment, you know, Hey, I'm here for you. You know, I'm worried. I'm kind of worried about you and I care about you, you know, because I think there were a lot of people in my life that were like, you know, of course they were like, why can't you stop? You know, why is this happening? Blah, 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 blah. But you know, if somebody would have just, if I would have heard somebody or somebody, of course I wasn't around anybody in recovery because I never Mm -hmm. wanted to admit, you know, but that's one of the ways, especially people like in a work situation, you know, Mm -hmm. like, what do I do? I'm managing this person who clearly has, you know, issues Mm -hmm. struggling. So it's really about just caring about someone and not judging them. And, you know, they're going to be on their own timetable, but, but anyway, but you know, if that's maybe that will, because we do encourage people that are in a work situation to, or in a work environment, like let your employees, you know, listen to this during the day, tune Mm -hmm. in, you know, make it a, you know, make it a priority as part of your wellness initiative to have people Mm -hmm. be able to join recovery reinvented for the day. So Mm -hmm. that's true. Actually, as I was thinking about, as you were talking about the agenda for the day, I'm like, well, why couldn't we all drive up? I'll invite everyone at checkable and we can, and if you want to go great. And if you don't want to go, that's fine too, but open it up to everyone to take the day. I think it's 
definitely well worth, we're an hour away from Grand Forks. It's definitely worth the day and let's make it a trip. Yeah, for sure. You know, that would be great because I have been encouraging other people too, you know, and, and sometimes I just say to people, just turn it on the background while you're working from home or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so anyway, I just think, uh, you know, I, that's just so great of you to even consider that. And, and again, thank you for, you know, all you do and for your, you know, the, this podcast, you know, which is just so inspiring and I'm just so grateful to be a part of it. Thank you so much. Well, I am so grateful. First Lady Catherine Burgum of North Dakota, thank you so much. It is an absolute honor to know you. And I feel like we could go have a mocktail this afternoon and talk for hours more. So just kindred spirits here. So thank you for being an inspiration and sharing your story. Thank you. And I feel the same. So I feel like we'll be more connected in the future. At least I hope so. So thank you. That sounds good. We'll see you on the 3rd. All right. Thank you. Take care. You too. Thank you so much for choosing to listen to the Checkable Health Podcast. This podcast was brought to you by the Checkable Health Production Team. A huge thanks to them as well as Grow the Show, who edits all of our podcasts. If you would please follow us on all of our social channels at Checkable Health. We are on TikTok. We are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And on Facebook, we have a fantastic group called Hero Moms. We can continue the conversation of this podcast on Hero Moms. And we also do things like recipe swaps, talk about how technology is affecting our kids and our role as moms and how we can help one another with different strategies to help with just everyday parenting. I'm really happy about this episode with the First Lady of North Dakota. I reached out to her in the spring of 2022. And unfortunately, she was very booked up. And I just heard about Recovery Reinvented. And it actually came through an email saying that they would love to have her on the podcast the same day. So I think the stars really aligned there. Her story is inspirational to me. She is so well networked. And I just hope that you were able to hear about the benefits of normalizing addiction, normalizing that word and that there is not a stigma around it. It doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make anyone that you are around a bad person either. It is a chronic disease. And if we start treating it like a chronic disease, I think, and Catherine believes that we can lower that number of 23 million Americans. Let's decrease that number. Let's start talking about it with our loved ones and within our community and support one another. So with that, I empower you to make healthcare decisions from home through knowledge, through education, and take care of your families and thrive.